From Dirty Spoon Media, I'm Jonathan Ammons. This is Home Fried, stories to keep you informed and entertained during the COVID-19 lockdown. We are based in Asheville, North Carolina, but we'll be bringing you stories from around the world for this series. In the coming weeks, I'll check in with our illustrator, Katrin Doza, in Germany about how the pandemic is affecting them there. Editor of Food All and Gardener's Path, Allison Sadu, will catch us up on how LA is responding and give us tips for managing the home pantry in the midst of all this panic buying. And even help us out with some gardening tips because it's starting to get nice out there. And Catherine will check in with chefs in Charleston and Atlanta. But today, we are actually going to be sticking around in our own backyard, talking with MANA Food Bank's communications director, Kara Irani. MANA is Western North Carolina's largest food bank. Last year, they distributed more than 19.8 million pounds of food to over 200 community pantries around the region. With an army of nearly 7,000 volunteers, they supply a vital resource to an area that is already one of the most food-insecure places in the nation, and that was before all these layoffs. But what happens to that army of volunteers when the entire state declares a pandemic emergency? What happens when a sea of people who may have never needed their services start knocking on the door, looking for help and a bite to eat? Here's Kara with some answers for us. Well, you know, for us at MANA, um, I would, we, um, let's see, in early March, we really started locking down on everyone being very sanitary coming in the building. Um, so we have been doing that very religiously for the past three weeks now of just ensuring that everybody who's coming in the building, they are washing their hands. We are creating personal distance, you know, we're sanitizing, especially the main areas where people are multiple times a day and did another big deep clean yesterday. So in terms of our response, just as an organization, we've been looking at staff and volunteer safety first and just trying to keep it to be, you know, maintain a space that's safe for everybody. Yeah, I was wondering how as a volunteer organization, you guys are even even able to function that way. Yeah, it's been tough, honestly, because one of the first things that we did was recommend that volunteers who are in the higher risk category, you know, immune compromised, folks over 60, we recommended that they cancel their volunteer shifts out of their own safety just because we can't make any promises. And, you know, that's easily half of our volunteer base already. Yeah. And so that's why we really started reaching out to the public to help cover those needs Because, you know, volunteers are our lifeblood over there. I mean, 7,000 individual volunteers every year help us do the daily work at MANA, just in a normal time when we're addressing food insecurity. So something like this is the the need is even more pronounced. You know, we don't know what's going to be happening on a day-to-day basis. And so we've shifted our operations. You know, we're still doing food fulfillment for all of our partner agencies who are functioning, but now we're also doing the family boxes and really trying to make preparations around what this could look like right now for people who are food insecure or living on the edge and suddenly thrust into the situation of poverty because they've been laid off from jobs or hours are reduced, you know, all of those things are hitting everybody right now. Yeah. And just making sure we can do it for, for as long as possible. What are those family boxes you were just talking about? 
Yeah, so one of the things that we did when we also started enforcing, you know, much stricter sanitization processes at MANA was we started recommending to all of our nonprofit partners. So, you know, we work with over 200 nonprofit food pantries, meal providers, anyone doing free food across 16 counties. We work with 200 of those agencies. And we started recommending that folks change their food distribution styles. So in the past, we've really asked our partners to have a very open kind of grocery store type feel to their pantry that we call client choice model. Yeah. And in, in light of the virus, we recommended that everyone start shifting their operations to as low contact food distributions as possible. And really what that ends up looking like is food in boxes put in someone's vehicle. People don't have to enter a building. There's very little personal interaction or contact. And so that's why we're really pushing the pedal on producing more family food boxes for our partner agencies. Awesome. How can people get access to those? Yeah, so our food helpline is the number one place where people can get information about who is doing free food distributions in their area. Um, we still have almost our entire partner network that is up and running and functioning. And I would say a good majority of those partners have already shifted to these low contact food distribution models. And uh, the food helpline is an 800 number. So anybody can call it. And we have information about all of that stuff. But we also help people sign up for EBT, so the, the food stamps program. And people can find out where our community markets are gonna be. And we also have a list of resources for all of the 16 county school systems that we work with about where they are doing meals, where they are delivering food, you know, so that everybody can get connected to all of these resources that are available right now. Yeah, I live right around the corner from, uh, from Oakley Elementary, and I noticed they were doing one of those free, free meal setups. How does that work? Mm -hmm. how, do the, how do those things work? Do you, do you know? Um, I believe those are open to kids who are already signed up for free and reduced meals through the schools. Awesome. And the idea is that they are meant to help support those very kids who are already at risk for being hungry. So, you know, it's just kind of luckily the school systems have done incredible work shifting really quickly to that kind of model yeah. where they're providing not just meals, but they're providing bagged lunches food that people can take home, you know, different schools are doing different things, of course, but that's why calling the helpline is really helpful because we can identify exactly for people what's happening in their area and what they might be able to access. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. Have you guys seen a major mm -hmm. uptick in, uh, in people utilizing the services? Yes, we really are. We are getting, um, much more calls about where people can find food. I think, you know, right now, before people are, before we really see a big rise in sickness, I think what we're seeing is a big rise in panic. <laughs> and I think that's already illustrated by people panic buying at grocery stores right. and, you know, this, this kind of mental piece that happens before the physical piece does. Yeah. And that's no different for us. I, we're seeing people, you know, worried about where their, where their next meal is going to come from. And if people have to be quarantined and locked down, 
that's even more of a pronounced need for the people that we're already serving. Mm. So we've definitely seen an uptick. We've also seen our partner agencies are ordering a lot more food on our inventory system than what their normal orders look like. So I think everyone is really trying to prepare so that those food resources are there when people need them. Yeah. Wow. Um, and you, and that's a, I mean, you guys have a ton of partner networks too, too, and, and all of this. Yeah, we sure do. How many counties do you guys represent? We serve 16 counties, the, the 16 westernmost counties of North Carolina. Wow. That's a lot of territory to cover Mm -hmm. right now. (laughs) It is. It really is. That's Uh, why we're so, we're so connected to that partner network. You know, they are our connections directly into individual communities. So we really depend on them for information about what the community needs. You know, we look to them to kind of be the front line of food distribution for, you know, hundreds of thousands of people across the region, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What can people do if they want to help? How can they, how can they get involved? Yeah. Right now, hands down the most important thing and, this is for probably every food bank in the country, honestly, is food banks need funding to actually purchase the supplies that we are using right now. So building these family food boxes, we're already working through our shelf-stable inventory internally to build out these boxes as fast as we can. But we've also got several truckloads of food on order right now. And you know, it's not just the grocery system that's bogged down. It's also our food supply systems who are also kind of bogged down with this, this increase in demand that's happened in the last two weeks. Yeah. And so we're having to plan ahead in order to get food product in, in a timely manner. And we have to have the funds to be able to do it. So Mm. funds are hands down the most important thing for us right now. Yeah. I think a lot of people might not even realize that you guys actually have to purchase food. Sometimes it's not all just delivered. It's not all just done. Right. Yeah. We, um, you know, we're in a really lucky position as MANA because we have so many wonderful food providers here in the region. And so in a normal year, 80% of our food product is, is donated. And because of that, we are able to provide a lot of variety to people. But in a situation like this, we have to be so prescriptive about our efficiencies and what we're getting out and how quickly we're getting it out. And so purchasing product is much more reliable for us because we can say, okay, we need this much canned protein in these food boxes and we need this much dry beans and we need rice and pasta. And because of our donated food inventory, we don't always know what we're going to be receiving. And so that's a lot of why we are looking for funding right now is because we've got to purchase stuff that people actually need. Yeah. Does, uh, when people are panic buying and, and, and clearing off the shelves of all these stores, how does that affect you guys and what gets donated to you from these providers? (laughs) It affects it a lot. We are essentially the downstream channel for food product that goes unpurchased in grocery stores. And so we're not getting any of the things that people are panic buying essentially which is really why we're having to turn to other sources and purchase product, essentially. So when people panic buy, it ends up costing you guys more money in the long run. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, so you, so you're not getting any toilet paper <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> No, not for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Unless people start returning it because they realize that they purchased too much. <laughs> but people can always donate that to Mana, so no worries. Oh, that is true. That's a that's a that's a big necessary thing. You hear, yes. you hear that? If you overstocked on toilet paper, by all means, give it to Mana. <laughs> Unused, preferably, and yeah, still so in the packaging. <laughs> Um, what else do people need to know? What else, what else are you guys struggling with? What are you guys up against? What can people help do? What um, will those financial know, we, dona- we are, donations relieve? Oh, yeah. yeah. The financial donations really just help give us flexibility so that we can move quickly on product that becomes available. Um, we're buying boxes. We're buying, you know, if we can find it, sanit- sanitization supplies for our partner agencies oh, so wow, that yeah. they can keep their businesses clean and their distribution centers clean and and safe for the people that are working there too you know our network of partner agencies all of these food pantries these community meals they are mostly run by volunteers and because of that people are much more likely to you know stay home if they feel like it's not a safe environment i mean we've just seen it all across the board honestly but yeah. There's a there's a big shift everywhere. It's a day to day shift too, and it's kind of hard to keep up <laughs> with what's happening on a day to day basis. Yeah, when you're saying yeah. when you're saying you guys have seen a big bump, how how big of a bump are we talking about here? Like, is it? Yeah. Well, this is very unscientific, but we just did um, we did host a community market recently, just uh, this past week in Avery County. And we have been doing this regular food market for probably six months now. You know, it's one, it's a one, once a month market. And we've seen pretty steady numbers of folks coming out to that market for food. Well, this last one last week, we saw three times the number of people coming to this market. Wow. It was a, a 300% increase, essentially. And it just... You know, luckily we had enough food for everyone, but I think that that's really going to be just the start of a trend that we are going to see when we're serving populations is, you know, a lot of these folks, small businesses aren't operating right now. Kids are out of school, and so parents might have to stay home to take care of the kids. Childcare might not be an option, especially in some of these rural counties. You know, we three quarters of our service area is rural. I mean, that means that people are away from economic centers. They don't have access to even the grocery stores that people are panic buying in right now. Yeah. So we really just that one market seeing that that large of an increase, I think is just a kind of a harbinger of what we can come to expect as people's incomes literally dry up overnight. Right. And and I'm sure it's not like I'm sure you're seeing the same faces you've seen before and then a whole new slew of people that have probably never even used a food bank before. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, I think it's also worth pointing out that, you know, your services are open to anyone who needs it, not just you know, if you're if you've suddenly lost your job like and need help, like go get some food. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And you know, that's one of the things that even in normal day-to-day operations we try to encourage people to do is 
if something has happened in your life, whether it's a, a dire medical diagnosis, whether it's a job loss or an accident, you know, we encourage people to not wait the few months that you might be able to like pay your bills and make it before you start getting food support. Because every dollar that you don't have to spend on food that we are finding and sourcing, mostly donated, you know, that's more money that people can use to keep a roof over their heads, keep mm. gas in their cars so that they can go and look for another job. You know, it's just one of those support pieces that if you can make it work, it can be a lifeline and give you a little bit more runway in the midst of a personal crisis. Yeah. So we do, we definitely tell people don't wait until you are completely out of money and your pantry is there to source out those food, those, those places where you can find food. Yeah. And you guys have, have distribution points all over the place, right? Like, yeah, we sure do. And we're keeping in daily contact with all of our partner agencies right now so that if some of our partners stop operating in certain areas, we can then bring our market into that area and help supplement that so that we don't have any big gaps geographically in the areas that we're serving. Yeah, awesome. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it's always really encouraging to see that, you know, we have such a well-prepared food bank that can actually step up in, in moments of crisis because, like, It'd be real rough if if you guys were overwhelmed, you know? Right. Well, you know, I feel like we're just kind of bracing for a tidal wave in a lot of ways. You know, we're doing the best that we can on the ground with what we have right now. But I feel like we all have this sense of urgency around being as prepared as possible for what's going to come down the pipeline for the next few weeks. Yeah. Because nobody really knows what that looks like yet. But we just want to be as prepared as possible for when and if the worst case scenarios start to happen in our region. For sure. For sure. Are you guys anticipating things getting much worse? Are you expecting them to hum along about like this? Is it what's what's um, what's that preparation look like for you? all Yeah, I, we're we're preparing for what's happening right now with the worst case scenario in mind and just trying to be as flexible and nimble as possible so that we can respond quickly. Uh, I don't think anybody is under the impression that things are just going to kind of hum along normally right now. I do think that, you know, we haven't even started to really see the number of cases in our area because of lack of testing across the country. You know, the United States is very behind in knowing even who is and who is not affected currently. Right. And, you know, we, we can't make any baseline assumptions on that until there's actual baseline information (laughs) to operate on. So we're just anticipating, you know, we are trying to plan for the worst and hope for the best, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Does that plan for y'all, like, how much of an increase are you you prepared for? Like, is there Uh, a level that would just totally overwhelm it, or is there... Well, right now, we're just trying to keep our warehouses stocked and keep inventory coming in as fast as it's going out. So that's really the best that we can do. You know, we've been operating on pretty tight margins already because we are, you know, operating in about 20 million pounds a year of food distribution now here at MANA. And that is a very careful dance on our inventory side so that we can always have product coming in. We don't have to turn anything away. Because we get pretty close to full most days of the week. 
in terms of what we're bringing in just to be able to meet the, just to meet the the normal need wow. for food insecurity in the region. So that's crazy. We're going to do the best we can, but you know we're really lucky because we are connected to this national network through Feeding America. We have food banks all across the country. You know, every food bank, basically, we cover every single county in the entire country through this Feeding America network. And food banks are incredible at sharing resources and helping each other out. You know, we have a really tight network of food banks in North and South Carolina that we work with on a regular basis anyway. And so that kind of network really helps keep all of us stronger for longer. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And one more time for everyone where like if they want to if they need to get access what's the what's the number to call how can they how can they reach out yeah in western north carolina our food helpline the nana food helpline is 1-800-820-1109 awesome and and they can go to feeding america to get access to where their local food bank is if they're not a local listener absolutely so feeding america's website you can go there and you can plug in directly to a food bank within that network. Awesome. That's great. And yeah, go go to Mana and donate. Donate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're quarantined and can't actually lend a hand, go go donate. <laughs> That's right. You know, even a couple bucks makes a big difference for us. So it, it all matters right now. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I know you guys have to be busy right now. Are you quarantined and working from home, or are you? We are uh, following CDC recommendations down to the letter, and everyone who can telework is teleworking. Uh, but, you know, with our lack of volunteer needs, we also have staff that we're calling in from home when we have to work on big projects. So we yeah. anticipate that we'll just keep staff rolling in and out of the building as much as possible. And, yeah, we're, we're not going to stop, that's for sure. Awesome. There's not going to be a time that mana stops. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. That's good to hear. I'm glad yeah. y'all are out there fighting the good fight for us. And, uh, you know, we appreciate your your tireless work. <laughs> I feel like I talk to you yeah. like every time there's even a small crisis in town. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, man, here's a huge one. Yeah. But, you know. No kidding. It's nice. Yeah. To... The last time we talked, I think, was during the shutdown. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and everyone was. And imagine that only affected federal employees. Now, literally everyone in the country is being affected. Wow. No, that's yeah. that's. Well, we are endlessly grateful that you're out there, and uh, you know, stay safe and take care of yourselves because mm-hmm. we need you there. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing our best. <laughs> Thanks to Kara Arani of Mana Food Bank for taking the time out of her incredibly busy schedule to catch us all up to date. If you need help, feel free to call that hotline number, 1-800-820-1109. I talk to so many people struggling to get by, but if it's the difference between staying stocked on groceries or paying that power bill or that car payment or something vital, there's absolutely no shame in asking for help. That's literally what these amazing people are here for. They're here for you. Once again, that number is one 800 820 1109. And if you'd like to donate to help keep mana supplied with the vital supplies they need, just head to manafoodbank.org. 
And maybe you're feeling guilty about panic buying all that peanut butter or toilet paper or that industrial case of antibacterial soap that you picked up last week. You could always swing by and donate that. I'm sure they'd be grateful. Home Fried is a production of Dirty Spoon Media. I'm Jonathan Ammons, and I'm the editor-in-chief. I produce the show and write the interstitial music. Catherine Campbell is our editor-at-large, handles our website and marketing, and just generally keeps things running around here. Go to our webpage, dirty-spoon.com, for full episodes of the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour to check out our artwork and support us through our Patreon. We actually pay for this show out of pocket, which means every time we make one, we are losing money. If you like what you're hearing, please go help us out. For anyone that donates, I'll throw in a free copy of my new record, Second Sight, music which might sound familiar to regular listeners because we use a lot of it as background music for this show. Next week, we'll bring you a couple more episodes of Home Fried. Look for new episodes to drop on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and sometimes on Saturdays. Always bringing you stories from the people who shape what we consume right here on The Dirty Spoon. Stay safe, y'all.